0: Shalom, King of Kings family, and welcome back. Just want to welcome all of our members watching today from Jerusalem, a cold Jerusalem that got some snow this week as well. Uh, All of our members around the world, part of King of Kings Ministries, and all of you also that are watching on Facebook Live, Kings Community Live, YouTube, we certainly welcome you uh, back to Jerusalem and back to King of Kings. Happy to be with you today. Hey, listen, I need to start off by saying Purim Sameach, it's a happy Purim celebration coming up this week. We're going to dive into the Word of God and look at that. So why don't you get ahead of me, turn in your Bibles to the book of Esther, and I'll give you a little background about what's been happening in Israel. We've vaccinated over 4 million people now. Um, they're they're d- debating on whether or not to go back to school as soon as the snow is cleared. Um, we're making a little progress in the country. We've been allowed to meet not only with five people in a room, but now 10 people in a room. So you saw that reflected with our wonderful worship team today. Thank you guys uh, for being with us in the sanctuary and leading us in a great time of worship. Also, thank you for our wonderful readers today for the parsha. You're in the book of Esther. We're about to dive in. We've been in a sermon series called Life Behind the Shield, and we've been focusing on God's protection of his people and living life behind the shield of God's power. Now, living life behind the shield is an active time. The activity that's taking place behind the protective shield is one of preparation, one of training, and we're trained for what God wants to do globally and eternally and what roles that we're going to play in God's plans. That's our destiny. What role are we going to play in God's global and eternal plans? As I mentioned, uh, upcoming this week is the holiday, the Jewish holiday of Purim. It's found in your Bibles, in the book of Esther, uh, her Jewish name, Hadassah. But the book is called Esther in most of your Bibles. And it's celebrated by Jewish people all over the world. It's a festive holiday. We dress up, we wear masks. um, And the reason we do that is because once again, the holiday of Purim remembers and commemorates God once again, hiding his people, protecting his people, preparing his people, in this case, Queen Esther and Mordecai. uh, He's preparing them for one of their most important roles that they will play in their lifetime. And that is to help the Jewish people be saved from annihilation. So if you don't know the Purim story or the book of Esther, let me just take a quick moment to review for you. Okay. Uh, King Uh, uh, Ahasuerus some of you will say Ashverosh in Hebrew Xerxes is in some of your Bibles but uh, King Ahasuerus he has a wife Vashti he throws this huge party for people to realize how wealthy he is how powerful and influential he is how big his kingdom has become it's a party that lasts 180 days at the end of that there is a banquet for seven days he calls for his wife Vashti come in here uh, display yourself show people how beautiful you are I'm showing off everything else I want to show you off as well. She says, no, she refuses to go. He consults with the advisors and they all decide together they're going to, uh, they need to expel her uh, from the kingdom and strip her of her role as queen. Then they hold a, a beauty pageant, if you will, or some kind of gathering of the young virgins and young ladies in, uh, in the kingdom. And the king is going to select a new queen. And then the story picks up where uh, where Esther and uh, her cousin slash uncle Mordecai, depending on which translation you, you're reading today, um, they, they help the king uncover several plots against him and against the kingdom. And that takes you through the rest of the book of Esther and how God uses the Jewish uh, family to save not only the Jewish people, but to save really the kingdom uh, that Ahasuerus is leading as well. And so that's where I want to pick up today, life behind the shield, but focusing on the book of Esther and the story of Purim. And I want to start with this. One of the things that steps out, uh, jumps off the page to you right at the beginning is that Esther found favor with lots of people. Uh, as early as chapter 2, verse 9, it says, She pleased Haggai, who was the head of the harem, It says she pleased him and she won his favor. Now, she didn't even want to be there. She was selected. It was mandated that she had to come and present herself to the king. But even in this mandatory season, doing something she maybe didn't want to do, she still found favor with the head of the harem. It goes on in the same chapter, chapter 2, verse 15. She finds favor with other people as well. I read to you this, Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. So she wins favor with the head of the harem. Now she wins favor with anyone who sees her. A little bit later, same chapter. I'm in chapter two, verse 17. It says, now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now in Hebrew, this term found favor, matzachin, it means finding grace in the eyes of another person, having another person look at you with great uh, favor, grace, affection. And Esther is not the only person, of course, uh, in the Bible who gets God's special favor. We read even in this book of, of Esther that Mordecai has great favor. But it's not just Esther and Mordecai. This phrase has been used many times throughout the scriptures. They found favor in God's eyes. Noah found favor in God's eyes. Abraham found favor in God's eyes. Joseph found favor given by God. He found favor in the eyes of Potiphar, his overseer. Uh, and he found favor with the jail manager, even when he was in prison. And finally, he found favor with Pharaoh himself. He was raised to be second in command in the kingdom of Egypt. Daniel where we're studying in our small groups. Daniel found favor with Nebuchadnezzar, also with three other kings, Belshazzar, Darius, Cyrus. He always finds favor given by God. We read in the Bible in the New Testament of Miriam, the mother of Yeshua, uh, found favor with God. And there's many other examples in the scriptures of people who are walking in God-appointed favor. And we pick up in this this, uh, study of Purim, the book of Esther, that Esther is walking in great favor with head of the harem, with anyone who meets her, and finally with King Ahasuerus as well. Now, I've often wondered, why did Esther have this opportunity to walk in great favor? I realized that there are many men and women of old, the patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith, who have also walked in this great favor. And I was contemplating, meditating on the Holy Spirit and asking him, why did they receive this Great favor, and a couple of things jumped out from this story that made a little sense to me, and I want to share those with you today. Yes, Esther had great favor, but she also showed a high level of humility and teachability. She listened to Haggai and also her cousin slash uncle Mordecai. I'm going to read to you Esther, Esther chapter two verse fifteen for a second. This is Esther two. Verse 15, it says, When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Ahiel, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. So what what, am I, what do I make of this? Well, she's about to go in front of the king, and she looks to advice. She looks to Haggai the head of the harem says, what should I take with me? And he gives her a suggestion and she doesn't act arrogant. She doesn't say, well, listen, I'm I'm walking in so much favor. I don't need to listen to you or I have a better idea than you or do you know how anointed I am? No, there's a certain humility and teachability that Esther walks in that she asks for his help. She listens to his suggestion and then that's what she takes uh, to the king when she presents herself. Now, this is a pattern. She's very humble. She's very teachable. I'm reminded in chapter 2, verse 20, it talks about how Esther listened to Mordecai. I'll read it to you. It says, But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. So it's not just something that has uh, come newly into Esther's life. She has been doing this since she was young. She's shown high levels of humility and teachability. She's been listening to Mordecai. She listens to him again as she shields herself, life behind the shield. She shields herself from revealing her nationality for the time being, using wisdom, being humble, being teachable. She listens to the head of the harem, Haggai, as he gives suggestions And all of this results in having great favor, not only with others, but especially with the king. And I wanted to synthesize how that relates with the rest of scripture, having humility and teachability and then walking in God's favor. Psalm 25 verse nine links some of this together for us. It says, he guides the humble in what is right and he teaches them his ways. He guides the humble in what is right. You see, Esther was humble. Then she could clearly hear what was right to do, but it was the humility that led. Then she could hear what was right to do and take advice, being teachable. Again, we find Psalm chapter 149, verse four. It says, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. The Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory now interestingly in esther's case god did this literally god literally crowned her or her humility with victory victory over what victory over haman god literally crowned esther as the queen put a crown on her head because of her humility her teachability he gave her great favor with the king and with others he This was one of those interesting times that God literally did the scriptures. He he literally crowned Esther because of her humility. He crowned her as queen and gave her victory. And that's how it all syncs up together. She was humble. She was teachable. And then God granted her this supernatural favor with not only himself, but with others and with the king. Why? Because it was behind the shield In the time of not revealing her nationality that she was Jewish, in the time where she was somewhat masked, if you will, life behind the shield, she was being prepared. She was being trained for what God was going to have her do in her global and eternal destiny. That would be written down for all eternity, what she did and her bravery, her her courageous nature, but her humility, her teachability. And it was written down, but God was preparing her behind the shield in this time where she was not fully revealing herself. And then Psalms kicks in that he takes delight in his people and he crowns the humble with victory. He puts that crown on Esther's head. Now, that's what God was doing during this period of time and during this story. That's what Esther and Mordecai are doing. But you know, we have an enemy. And during the same story, the enemy is at work. And I wanted to uncover a little bit of what the enemy was doing so we can be aware of his tactics that not only relate to the day of Esther, but certainly relate to today as well. The enemy has a repeated pattern, a repeated tactic of trying to control the narrative of what people hear and what they think. The enemy, the last thing the enemy wants you to do is to think on your own. He doesn't want you to be curious, search for truth and find truth. That's the last thing he wants. Rather, what he wants is to control the narrative. He wants to control what you think. He wants to control uh, what information you're taking in. He wants to control the backdrop and, and what you understand. And he does that in a myriad of ways. A lot of times he lies straight out. Sometimes he twists the truth. Sometimes it's a half truth. Sometimes it's a suppressed truth. Sometimes it's, it's leaving the truth out altogether. But what is his tactic? He's trying to control the narrative of what you know and what you understand. He wants you to make decisions in your life based on a lack of information, uh, based on a lack of truth, if you will. He doesn't want you uh, to fully understand the truth, but he wants to control the context of how you think and how you feel. The enemy uh, wants to pass along half-truths. He wants to silence people. He doesn't want the believers to speak truth either because he's controlling the narrative to the unbelievers. So he tries to suppress us, suppress the truth of the word of God through us. And we see that this strategy even plays out in the book of Esther. Let me read it to you. Uh, This selection, Esther chapter three, verse eight, nine, and 10. It's dealing with the enemy of Haman or Haman. It says, Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all of the provinces of your kingdom, who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all the other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Now, how is the enemy, how is Satan trying to use Haman or Haman to control the narrative? Well, notice he accuses the Jewish people of not obeying the king's laws. The problem is that there's no evidence in history or in this book that the Jewish people were disobeying the laws of the king. There's no evidence of this, but he's framing the narrative for King Ahasuerus. He doesn't want the king to know the real truth. So he lays out a false backdrop. King, there's a people, they're they're a little bit strange. They're not like us and they don't obey you. Now, from that lack of truth, I'm gonna ask you to destroy them. And the king, in his weakness, doesn't probe this. He doesn't look into it. He's not a good journalist. He doesn't do all of his research and find out the facts. He just goes ahead with the narrative that was told to him. And this is a tactic of the evil one. This has been happening since the garden. When Satan tried to control the narrative about God, when he spoke to Adam and Eve and deceived them, he painted God in a deceptive light. He, he made Adam and Eve mistrust God by painting a picture that was untrue and controlled the narrative of what Adam and Eve thought about their heavenly father. You know, he tried to do this again with Yeshua. He tried to control the narrative with Yeshua during the three temptations in the desert, in the wilderness. He was questioning our Lord. He was questioning Yeshua's identity. And he was painting himself, Satan was painting himself in the light of having authority of all things that he could give to Yeshua. He was painting an untruthful picture, almost like I have all the power, Yeshua, I can give it to you. Yeshua, I'm in charge of the earth. I can give it to you. I have all authority. I'll give it to you if you do what I say. And he's painting this untrue picture. He's he's, uh, describing a narrative that is not based and founded in truth. And of course, Yeshua sees through that and he calls him out and says, this is not true. That is not what the word of God says. He calls out this false narrative. But you see this tactic happen over and over. I was reminded of the book, uh, uh, the story of um, of Joseph, and when when Joseph um, is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, he's a good servant, he's faithful. Potiphar trusts him with all things, and the wife of Potiphar wants Joseph to have a relationship with her and wants him sexually, and he says no. He does the righteous thing. He says no, and he tries to run away from her. She grabs him by the garment, tears the garment. And in her embarrassment, in, in, in an attempt to not uncover her own evil, she paints a story that's not true. She gives a false narrative to her husband and says, he tried to rape me. See, I, I, I escaped with my life, and here's the proof. I, I have a torn piece of his garment. And Joseph hadn't done anything wrong. And yet, there's a false narrative that the enemy puts out there, devised that silencing uh, God's people and and the word of the Lord going forward and to destroy the Jewish people. This has been Satan's tactic from the beginning. This idea of suppressing truth and controlling the narrative, and it happens again right here in the book of Esther. Many of you are well aware, you're well educated, you're alert, you're prophetically uh, uh, sensitive right now, and you understand that the enemy is doing the same thing right now in the world. He's trying to control the flow of information and truth. He's been trying to do it against the Jewish people in Israel uh, for years. Where We have a biased media. We have the UN who won't sanction the right people. Uh, we have a suppression of truth here in the land, not, not only as Jews in general, but certainly as the believing messianic community uh, where we don't get the same protections that everyone else uh, seems to get in the country The enemy tries to control the narrative there. Uh, It happens all over the world now, where you're certainly aware that in communist countries and socialist driven countries, there's a suppression of truth, there's censoring everybody, there's a narrative that is painted that's not true. Even in the Western countries, we're now experiencing this at a higher level with a completely and grossly biased media, and a social media that is heavily censoring everything and everyone that doesn't fit their own narrative today. This is happening. But guys, here's the good news. Listen, this, is, this has been the enemy's tactic from the beginning. It's nothing new. He doesn't have new tools. He's not that creative. He's been doing it from the beginning, Adam and Eve, trying to do it with, with Esther and, and Haman, uh, and, and with Yeshua, and now today we see the same tactics. But we know how to handle it. John 8, reminds us of who the devil really is. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I wanted to lay that foundation out for you so you would understand what's happening in the book of esther but also i wanted to compare and contrast satan's nature of controlling the narrative suppressing the truth lying to people versus god's nature a nature of openness a nature of generosity a nature of revelation where he wants you to come into the inner circle he wants you into the holy place he wants you to understand what he understands he wants to give us the keys to the kingdom it's it's completely opposite of what satan wants satan wants to hide everything in control and god is trying to give everything away the openness of god's uh, heart is is on display throughout the scriptures and it's in stark contrast to the enemy and how he operates as a matter of fact last week in the Parshah that we read from the section called truma the giving of the offerings we learn how open god is to to The flow of communication. And he wants to see what's really in our heart. He doesn't want to suppress the truth. He doesn't want to control. He wants to see what's in our heart. Exodus chapter 25 verse 2 was in last week's parsha, And this is what it says. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. What, what an open heart. He says, yeah, we need the gifts to build the tabernacle, but don't take them from people if you force them. I don't want to control people that way. Take the gifts from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. Look at the openness of God. He's not controlling the narrative at all. He's not trying to guilt trip people. He's not trying to manipulate them into giving. He's just saying, this is what we need. We want to build this tabernacle, a center for worship, so my presence can rest with you. So anyone who has an open heart to give let them be the ones that bring the gifts. And this follows up in the New Covenant passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, God is open to hearing what is really on your heart. He's not trying to manipulate you and control. He, he says, basically, what's on your heart? Whatever's on your heart, give that. I recently did a short summary of this passage, and I want to just pass along a key phrase to you today uh, that I gleaned from from this section, and it was this. God certainly deserves our first fruits, but even more, he deserves our best fruits. You know, that's what we pick up from this. He, he, He should get our first fruits, but he deserves our best fruits. Give out of the abundance of your heart whoever's heart prompts them to give, whoever has a heart to give, Give to the Lord. Why am I saying that? I want to tie it back in. Because the devil's tactic is to control the narrative, to suppress the truth, and to lie. And God's, his attributes, his nature is to be open, to have open communication, to be a God of revelation that gives information to his people, to his prophets, to give the keys to the kingdom, to us, to give us the future, a hope, and a destiny. He's an open God. He's not trying to hide anything from you the way Satan would make us believe from that false narrative. Of course, this tactic is picked up again, not only throughout history, but even this week during the holiday of Purim when Queen Esther is is living and the king is living in this false narrative that Haman, Haman is painting for him. But here's the good news as we close. God always uses the humble, the teachable, and those that walk in his favor to uncover, to come out from under corruption. He uses them to expose the lies of the evil one, these false narratives, these these suppression of truth, these half-truths, the twisting of the word of God, the lying to the people of the public. God uses his people to uncover these lies. We learn it in the book of Esther, and it's gonna happen again today. If you've been discouraged, friends, I know many of you have been talking to me, You've been discouraged about the news, about the narrative, about the stories around the world, what's happening in Gaza with Hamas and Hezbollah and on our borders, and yet we always get the short end of the stick in Israel when it comes to the news. Don't worry. God will use the righteous to uncover the lies and the false narrative that the evil one is trying to plot against us. God does it for the believers. He does it for the nation of Israel, and he does it for the righteous around the world. God grants favor to the righteous, that's for sure. And he uses the righteous to uncover the enemy's lies and to expose the evil agenda of Satan. We saw this in Mordecai and in Esther in this week's pouring story, the book of Esther. Make sure you continue to study that. This process will continue. What process? The process of the righteous uncovering the plot of evil and the false narrative of the devil. That process is going to continue. It's going to continue on a global level because Yeshua is coming back. And Yeshua himself is going to expose the lies that Satan has been telling the world. Yeshua, of course, perfectly righteous, humble. He has found favor with God and with men. Of course, we read that in the book of Matthew. He finds favor with God and with men because Of the same reason Esther did, Yeshua came as a humble servant. He was righteous. The Father gave him all favor. And inside of that favor, Yeshua will be used once again to expose all of the lies and the false narrative that the enemy has tried to deceive the world with. And that's good news, guys. I know we're frustrated about this. I am. I'm frustrated about the, the UN. I'm frustrated about the world media and the liberality that's, that's happening. I'm frustrated about the, the lies and the falsehoods and the f- false narrative. I'm, I'm, I'm upset about websites and, and media and social media being biased and censoring and shutting down believers. But God will use the righteous to expose all of these lies and the truth will come out. The truth will always win. The truth will set us free. And Yeshua is the best example of that. And I believe it was the spirit of God working through Mordecai and Esther uh, that revealed his same attribute. So let that be an encouragement to you today. If you've been discouraged about these things, God will use you to expose the lies of the evil one. Let's pray. Let's receive this from the Lord. Father, we pray for a gift today. We want the same courage that Mordecai and Esther had. Father, we want you to use us today to uncover the lies of the evil one, to, to dispel false narratives, to to uncover uh, twisted truth. Would you use us? And at the same time, Holy Spirit, we're asking for the same maturity growth steps that we read about. Can you help us to grow in humility today? Can you remind us to be teachable? Can you remind us to be a servant and to listen to other people around us, to use wise counsel like we see Queen Esther? And we remember always that you delight in your people and you give the crown of victory for those uh, those of your people that walk in righteousness. Let that be us today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Those of you in Israel, stay warm this week. I know it's been a cold week. We're looking forward to some updates on a lockdown restrictions being lifted. The airport's still not fully open. Lots of things are still locked down, but uh, we encourage you uh, this, uh, this week, stay warm, stay healthy. And those of you that are gonna join our community group, Joanna's gonna be leading us in the Daniel study shortly after the conclusion of this service. So make sure you connect with all of our community groups this week. Purim Sameach. Have a great week.